You are listening to the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast with Monica Louie, episode number two. Welcome to the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast, where we help online entrepreneurs grow their influence, amplify their impact, and scale their businesses all the way to seven figures. And now, here's your host, Monica Louie. Hey, hey, thank you so much for joining me for the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. I'm Monica Louie, and I am super excited to be here with you today. Now, in today's episode, I've got a very special guest who is sharing his story of how he grew his online business to seven figures in only four years years. But before we dive into the interview, I want to make sure that you know that you can find all of the links and resources that are mentioned in today's episode at monicalouie.com slash two. That's M-O-N-I-C-A-L-O-U-I-E dot com slash the number two. Now, if you're brand new to the podcast, welcome. And I would be so honored if you would hit the subscribe button so that you can get all the future episodes downloaded automatically wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you haven't listened to the first episode yet, please do so. You can find that at monicalouie.com slash one. That's where I share more about what this podcast is all about, who I am, and how I went from being a working mom in corporate America to a stay-at-home mom to a work-from-home mom with a multiple six-figure business teaching and managing Facebook and Instagram ads. And yes, as the name of the podcast implies, the goal is to flourish to seven figures. Now, if that's your goal too, then you are definitely in the right place. And if you know that Facebook and Instagram ads can help you get there, I want to invite you to grab my free Facebook ad starter kit. The free Facebook ad starter kit will help you plan your next campaign or improve your existing campaign. Plus, it has a detailed checklist so you can be super organized going into the ads manager to set up your campaign in the right way. And if you're like me, then you love a good checklist. And you can grab your copy at monicalouie.com slash guide. That's monicalouie.com slash G-U-I-D-E. Okay, let me tell you about today's guest. Today's guest is Dave Chesson. He is the founder and creator of Kindlepreneur.com, a popular blog and website devoted to helping great authors sell more books. And he's also the creator of Publisher Rocket, a tool that thousands of best-selling authors use and re- recommend to help them get their books found on Amazon. And full disclosure... Dave and I met when he became a student in my course, Flourish with Facebook Ads, and later he became one of our first ads management clients as we started to grow the ads management agency early last year in 2018. Now, if you're interested in learning more about my online training program to help you flourish with Facebook ads, go to monicalouie.com slash flourish. And if you're interested in working with my team and me, go to monicalouie.com slash WWM for our work with us page. Now, I absolutely love working with Dave because he is such a smart marketer and business owner, but he's also extremely passionate about what he does and who he serves. And you will definitely hear that in this interview today. So in this episode, you will learn how Dave's military career led him to seek success in the online business world why Dave nearly quit his online business ventures in the beginning, and what actually kept him going. Plus, Dave will share his position on SaaS models and why he chooses to go against conventional advice. He'll share the one thing that led to Dave's business hitting seven figures in four years and why it takes longer for most other businesses to hit seven figures. Dave will share his initial traffic strategy that fueled his blog's growth, how task-based work differs from responsibility-based work, how Dave starts his day and his week to ensure that he's working on his most important priorities, why committing to being the top 1% is the key to getting unstuck in your business and breaking through to the next level. Plus, we'll talk about book marketing. So Dave talks about how to get your book to stand out on Amazon so readers will want to buy it. And he shares three ways to test your book cover to make sure it resonates with your target market. 
Plus, there's a whole lot more in this action-packed interview. So let's dive into the interview with Dave Chesson from Kindlepreneur.com. Hey, Dave. Thanks so much for joining me. Absolutely. Really good to be here. So let's tell everybody how we know each other. Sure. Well, uh, I think it was a couple, it was a year, maybe two, that I was trying to figure out how to do Facebook ads. And I heard from a good friend of mine, Nick Loper, that he was taking this really cool course by this this person named Monica. I was like, okay, cool. Jumped in, took it, loved it. And next thing you know, I was requesting to work with you. And so here we are. Yeah. And we've been working together for over a year now. And it's been really a great working relationship and we've gotten some great results. And so thank you for coming onto the podcast to share your story. And I'm really curious about how you got into the whole online business thing. Tell people what you do and who you serve and then go back to the beginning of how you even got into the online business thing. Well, I used to be a writer who would work to uh, try to create these books and I had these dreams of being able to be home with my kids and I just con- kind of continued to struggle. You know, there would be people who would, I just felt like I was spending all this time and nothing was happening until one day I started to really take time and try to understand the market. And why is it that Amazon chooses to show that person's book over this one? And, and when I started to do just that, all of a sudden I started to see my writing take off. I started to see, you know, better reviews, happier people. And Yes, more sales. And from there, I took all of the knowledge that I had on books and book marketing and Amazon, and I put it into my major website called kindlepreneur.com, where I go into advanced steps on everything an author needs to know in order to get their books in front of the right readers. Very cool. So you're a successful author yourself, figured out the whole Amazon thing and decided to help other authors um, have better success with reaching their audience on Amazon. Absolutely. But, you know, everybody sees kind of the, the, the top of the iceberg, but all the stuff under it, you know, that was the hard part. I, when I first started doing all this, um, I was actually in the military and I got orders to go to Korea, but the orders were without my family. So I had to spend two years without my family. And my wife at one point kind of on a Skype call was she asked me this really important question. She was like, so what's your definition of success on this route? I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, well, what are you doing all this for? You know, our family's split and everything. Like, do you have dreams of being an admiral or something? I'm like, no, actually not really. She's like, is is there some mission that you truly want to accomplish? I'm like, well, I mean, other than freedom, uh, <laughs> um, you know, no, I, and so I realized that I was missing out on all this family time and I was going down a path that wouldn't, be successful because I didn't know what success would be. So my wife and I sat and we talked about it. And we finally realized that, you know, uh, that we had an opportunity to maybe build our own business and have an exit strategy and then be able to, you know, be home with my kids. And so that was the thing that set me down the path of trying to learn this online thing. Now, I remind you, I was in Korea, so I couldn't do a brick and mortar type, right. you know, business. I couldn't do any kind of business that required me to be there uh, and to be ready to answer things or ship things or do things. It had to be something that allowed me to work when I could and then produce when I can. And from there, I started learning about online marketing and websites. And uh, I remember doing my first ever, you know, a website. And it was to most people, it would have been an utter failure. I had spent two months of super hardcore work. I built this website and in the end, you know how much money I made? How much? A dollar. One (laughs) dollar. It was awesome. How'd you make the dollar? It was one of those where it's like affiliate where like if somebody signs up with their email address or if they fill in with like their zip code that, you know, this affiliate would give you a dollar. And so I, I ended up getting a dollar legitimately. And a lot of people would have been like, wow, congratulations, dude. You just spent like a couple hundred hours to get a dollar. You know, that's, that's, that's pretty bogus. And, but for me, I proved that you could do this online marketing thing and you could make a dollar out of nothing. So there I was. And then, so I immediately turned around, I did a new project and, you know, I, I made more dollars, I think like 10 the next time. But again, I just 10 times my effort. So I was really excited about this. The problem, though, was, was that as I kept working uh, more and more, I felt like 
I wasn't really serving anybody. I was doing these things. I was making some money, but I, I, I felt like I wasn't doing great work. I wasn't making, you know, people's lives better. And I was about to quit because I just didn't feel like this was me when I found this website called Smart Passive Income by Pat Flynn. And all of a sudden, here he was, and one of his mottos that I, I love and I live by today is make the internet a better place. And he proved that you could do exactly that. And so that's when I stopped chasing the dollar, chasing these kind of tactics, and I instead hunkered down and said, you know, I really want to write. I've got a lot of things that I can speak about, some things I can teach, and that's when I started that whole book process. And like I said before, <laughs> it was a learning curve, a big learning curve. So then you created Kindlepreneur.com, right? After I finally figured out how to get my books in front of the right people, that's when I created Kindlepreneur.com. And yeah, it's been incredible. And it was three years ago to the day that I was able to not only make enough money from my books, uh, but even more so than I was making in the military. And I was able to get out and I'm here in Franklin, Tennessee with my family. Awesome. Okay. That's so great. So when did you launch the site, Kindlepreneur.com? I launched it just over four years ago. Okay. So 2015. Yep. That sounds about right. Okay. I'm trying to figure out the path because, so you launched Kindlepreneur in 2015 and just over three years ago, you were able to stay home and you know, work from home with your business and so that you can be around for your kids and for your family. And so now you're living the dream. So what has happened since then? So you launched Kindlepreneur uh, four years ago. How does Kindlepreneur make money today? Well, there's a couple of ways. Uh, first off is I still sell my books, uh, which have been great. Uh, the second thing is, is that there are affiliates on my website. So there's a couple of products that I really love, um, that I use to either put my books together, help me design book covers, um, you know, do research. And, uh, so there's the affiliate sales. But one of the things that I ended up doing though, was that there was one thing that I was selling a lot of, and that was, um, Kindle Samurai. And it was this software that would help authors to kind of see how good the market was and what keywords they should target so as to help get their books in front of more shoppers. The problem with the software was that number one, it only worked on PC. So all the Mac users couldn't use it. Number two, it, most of the parts to it were actually broken, um, half of it didn't work and there was no support. And so I saw here that there was a, a great way to be able to help the authors. Um, and the software itself was not doing what it could or should. So anyways, in the end, we, we created our own, uh, software. We called it KDP rocket, but now it's publisher rocket. And we not only fixed all those problems that existed in the old one, but we also made it way better, adding more features, helping people find categories, do Amazon ads. And we just continuously add and improve it more and more every year. And from that and word of mouth, uh, that software has been extremely successful. Um, and it's it's not only being used by self-publishers, but now it's being used by uh, major publishing companies, as well as some of my own personal heroes in writing. So it's it's been an incredible journey. That's amazing. That's so great. So you saw that there was this product that you were referring people to, um, but you knew that it could be better. And so were you nervous about going down the software path? To me, that seems like such a big undertaking. What were your thoughts and, and feelings around, you know, attempting to build an, a software product from scratch? Yeah, I, I was very intimidated about it. Now, I'm, I've am i got kind of a hardcore math background. Uh, when I was in the Navy, I was a nuclear engineer, so I'm pretty number-centric. And I had my own ways of calculating and figuring out the right way to do book uh, marketing research. So I, I kind of knew, all right, I know how to do this, and I know how to make this program way better. I just need programmers. And so I was able to find a great team of people to kind of work with me to build the exact product that that I felt would serve my people best. The biggest thing that came from this as well was that we knew that it was that even the bare minimum product uh, was already helping people, and we could do it even better. So for me, I could serve my people much better. I could create something that would help them become more successful. And at the same time, I knew that there was a real desire for it. So it was a really awesome opportunity across the board. Fantastic. And it's it's an amazing product at an amazing value. 
I, I'm still blown away. So, so we run ads to promote KDP Rocket, which is now Publisher Rocket. And I am just amazed that you sell this product that does so much and you're even always updating it and adding more features to it. And it's only $97 for a one-time purchase, correct? Yes, and that's exactly it. You know, one of the cool things about being uh, uh, the head of a software company is you get to do it your way. Uh, I've had a lot of people tell me, you should make this into a SaaS. You should do like a monthly or an annual cost. And my take on it is this. I believe that we can really provide and help. Uh, and at the same time, with our – with um, one thing that I've hated about other software companies is like you'll buy the software and then all of a sudden they'll they'll have an upgrade or an update or a new feature and they charge you for it. I'm like, right. that's ridiculous. So, yeah, granted, I'm, I'm sure that one could make more money by doing that. My goal is I just really want to serve, and I want I want everybody who downloads the software to honestly believe it was one of the best values they've gotten, you know, that it just gets better every every time they open it up. And for me, that and my team, that's really our definition of success. That's that's so great. And we see that, too. We I mean, we we witness that our ads team witnesses that because we'll see that we'll run ads for Publisher Rocket. And in the comments, I mean, the the people who have KDP Rocket, Publisher Rocket, they come out of the woodwork to share how amazing the product is, how amazing the support team is, um, how helpful you are and Anyway, so it's just really great. You've made our job really easy because you've come out with this amazing product that works really well. It has a lot of, I mean, raving fans, you know, customers behind it. And um, it's just a tremendous value. So that's where, you know, everything comes together and has, but it's come together and you've built this amazingly successful business. So can you share what your team looks like? Because you've got the engineers for the for the product and then you've got the support team I know that but what can you kind of give us an overview of what your your entire team looks like Sure well so I have people who help me with the content on kindlepreneur.com um, I have researchers I also you know a big part of my website is search engine optimization SEO uh, it's what's helped kindlepreneur to get over 250,000 visitors per month um, so we have a couple there. I have I have an executive assistant that helps me to manage my time uh, better, which my wife is very thankful that I have one of those. Um, my we also have a bookkeeper CPA. Uh, so those that kind of help me stay in the green financially. And then on the software side, we have a lot in support. I'm a strong believer in support. A software that somebody can't use or doesn't know how to use correctly isn't a tool. And we're all about giving people a beneficial tool. So we really go hardcore into, into, into support. And besides, there have been some great companies out there that lost my, my love and loyalty because they wouldn't answer a stinking question. So <laughs> yeah, that's probably one of my biggest focuses. I love that. I love that. And I, I just, I'm so in awe of everything that you've built, Dave, and just, you keep you, you've got this passion, this heart for serving your your customers and making things even better. And so, and I think that that is what has led to your success. So you have a seven figure business, is that correct? Yep. So when <laughs> did you hit seven figures? I mean, you launched Kindlepreneur four years ago. So what did that path look like? How long did it take? Well, you know, when somebody asked the word seven figures, I'm uh, there's at some point years ago, I had met where over the past couple of years of online work, I reached seven figures. Um, but it wasn't until last year that I reached seven figures within one year. And so that was kind of a big moment for us when, when we realized it. And it was our bookkeeper that was like, hey, you, you do know you you, uh, you passed this number. And I'm like, huh, that's pretty awesome. But again, it was, you know, it, it's funny is that it's it's sort of one of those things where it's like it just kind of shocked me. It just kind of like all of a sudden happened. And, you know, you let you hear a lot about people saying, yeah, I was a I was a overnight, you know, success seven years in the making. Right. <laughs> that's kind of how I feel like it felt like an overnight success. But in the truth, it was good six, seven years in the making. So. So do you think that there was a pivotal moment or decision when things took off? Like, was it slow to build in the beginning as far as, you know, traffic and audience wise and revenue wise? And then when you launched KDP Rocket, then things took off? Is that what it was? I think one of the, the big keys to success was that I stuck to my guns and I didn't pivot a lot. 
Uh, I see a lot of online marketers go and, and they'll start saying, okay, well, I'm going to create this thing because I heard somebody talk about it. And then I try it and then it's not working immediately. So I'm going to pivot to something else. And a lot of people will pivot, 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 pivot to the point they actually pivot so much. They don't actually make any progress moving in one direction. And I believe that for me, when I stepped in, I said, look, I'm going to do SEO. SEO is my thing. And I'm going to write on a website. I'm not going to do, you know, a podcast or YouTube or any of these other things until I have enough team members to help me do that. I'm just going to focus on what I do and what I do best. And, you know, there were I think it was like the first two or three years or so here. This website was growing. I didn't have like the big amount of money, but I just stuck to what I was doing. And over time, all of a sudden, it all just started to grab and take hold and great things started to come from all of it. So. I would say number one for anybody out there is really, you know, don't pivot so quickly. Don't try something, you know, stick your toe in the pool and realize it's too cold and run away, but commit and commit well and learn how to do that thing and take it to the next level. And a follow on to that was something Jeff Goins actually once told me. He had said that, you know, he created this course, an incredible course called Tribe. And he launched it. It was a successful launch. And then immediately he was he was telling somebody, he's like, great. And um, I'm thinking about now doing this other thing. And somebody's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You just launched that course. He's like, yeah. So I'm now thinking about the next course. He's like, no, that's your thing. Stick to it. You know, improve it. Make it better. And I was like, oh, yeah. And he did. And it was an incredible decision. I'd say the same thing about Rocket. If I created Rocket on its original form, which was just a keyword tool with a competition analyzer, didn't do a lot. If I just left it there, sure. I think it would have brought in some money, would have helped some authors. But it was our devotion to that one thing and improving it and not pivoting, not looking for the next thing. But just that one thing that I believe is what built the word of mouth and the fans and you know has caused Rocket to really, pun intended, take off as it has. I love that. Okay. So yeah, I mean, my wife doesn't find my puns as funny as I do. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Well, I think that that's such a great point. And that's such a great lesson. I think for all of us is that, you know, we do, you know, with, with entrepreneurship, there are so many different strategies, so many different product offerings that we can create, you know, so many different ways that we can build our audience. And you've been very focused this entire time you're going to write on your blog, you're going to build up SEO, and th that's going to be your traffic source. And then you came up with this great idea for a product, and then you saw it through and you've been continuing to improve it and improve it and improve it and improve it. Because you know that your audience authors, I mean, there's always going to be new people who are wanting to, to become authors. And, and in those circles, um, you know, KDP Rocket, Publisher Rocket, is it's the go-to resource for keyword research and categories. And now, I mean, you're even adding way more, way more features to it as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think one of the things I think that's really helped us too is, is that we're a software company, but we're real people behind it. We're not some just faceless, soulless organization. We're, we're writers, all of us. And, you know, I, I jokingly say I'm like, I'm a blessed writer. I'm a writer who has his own programming team. It's like the moment that I'm sitting there thinking about something, be like, oh man, wouldn't it be great? I'm like, oh, I got a programming team. Let's add that. Let's do that. So it's been really fun. So did you, when you started off with a, with this whole online marketing thing, did you think, I mean, did you imagine that, you know, in a few years time I could have a seven figure business? Was that, was that in your realm of possibility? I kind of thought it was like, I knew it was a possibility and I knew it was real that people could legitimately do this. I just didn't think it would happen to me. Uh, I, I figured, yeah, okay, those guys are the lottery winners. No, I take that back. I don't attribute it to lottery. Those guys did it. They found success. That's awesome. I honestly, my goal to get out of the military um, securely with my family uh, was to make $10,000 a month. That was it. If I could make $10,000 a month, I could absolutely support my family because I have three kids. One's in college. <laughs> um, and at the same time, be able to live comfortably enough that nobody's like making sacrifices. So once I hit that mark, I made it. And, and I a lot of times I could have just sat back and just been like, OK, cool. I'm just going to coast. I, I got it. But it wasn't in my spirit. I, I really wanted to, you know, improve and 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 make better products, make better content, you know, push the limits, test the folds. And 
that spirit I feel was a really big part as to why I went from just comfortably doing a low six figures to hitting seven figures. Perfect. I mean, that's exactly what I want to know. Like what is, you know, what takes you from there where you're comfortable to hitting seven figures and it it, it is just your drive to consistently serve your audience, serve your customers and improve. And so did you have any mindset challenges? I mean, when was the first time that you realized this could be a possibility for your business? Because originally you didn't think, you know, that it would happen for you to you, but when did, when did it become like, Oh, well actually we could actually hit seven figures with this thing. I'm not really sure it ever did. Um, one thing though, I would say that was a huge barrier to me was, was when I finally put in my, uh, form to get out of the military, my entire life, like my family, they were all career people. They did, you know, they, nine to five jobs. They, they work for retirement. Uh, every male in my family was in the military. So, you know, they all work for their military retirement. And I felt like I was putting my family at risk, giving up this job. Now I was making more money from the side when I was ready to put in the form, but I couldn't get over that. I didn't, you know, there's something about going to a job where it's like, no matter what you do, so long as you don't really screw up, so long as you show up and you do your job, you get paid. That's it. The chances of not having a job is a lot more slim than, say, being an entrepreneur. But luckily, though, my wife was absolutely supportive. I mean, she she even told me at one point, I would much rather be married to a man who who dreamed, acted on it, and and failed than a man who chose the, the stable ground because he was too afraid to try. And at that point, I was like, wow, I'm pretty much letting me down my wife if I don't do this. And so that was a big thing for me. Otherwise, I might have been one of those who was like, I'm just kind of comfortable and you know, I'll just make some money on the side. I'll stick with my career. Uh, but that was a big moment. So I would say the first off is making sure that you have your spouse's support. Uh, it's really hard to do that without this. The second thing I would also say is that to really grow, you have to put yourself out there. You have to take risks. Sometimes when you're growing as an organization, when you make that first step, if, if you don't feel a bit uncomfortable, then you're probably not taking a large enough step. You've got to put a little bit out there. I mean, uh, it's all about growth and scaling, and none of that's cruise control. So think about that. And and sometimes if you're feeling, oh, man, you know, this is a little nervous about this, then it probably means you're doing the right thing. That is such a great message because I, I've consistently on my own journey felt extremely uncomfortable. <laughs> Like, I don't, I don't want to do this. I, you know, what will people think of me? I think I, I have those thoughts in my head all the time. You know, what if, what if I look like, I don't know what I'm talking about or something like that. And, but I know like every time I, you know, step out of my comfort zone and I really go for it, that it's never as bad as I imagine it to be in reality. And then I can look back and say, wow, I did that, you know, and then that helps to boost my confidence doing, you know, even more scarier things. So is that is that been your experience as well? Absolutely. I would say too is that at no point so far in my my journey have I ever felt really comfortable and just been like sweet, you know, I, it's almost like I'm always constantly growing and not just the business but also as a leader. I started off as a solopreneur where it was just me and I'm working to build this thing. I know how to do everything and it's, you know, it's all up to me. However, though, when I hired my first person, I, I was I was terrible to work with. I made the wrong decisions. I, you know, I had lofty goals, wasn't giving them enough. And, and you know, it was a really it was really bummer for that person. I don't remember who it was. It was a long time ago. But that was a huge growth step to learn how to bring people on board. But then I, I was still doing this thing of like it was task based work where like I would list all the tasks and micromanage everything that happened. Another big step was when I started doing responsibility-based work where certain people in my organizations had a responsibility. And instead of me telling them every step to do, they needed to come up with those steps and I would just need to be, you know, kind of monitor it. In a way, I started to move myself into uh, strategic thinking instead of tactical thinking. That was a huge step. And then just now I I just hired a chief operations officer, a COO. And, you know, and that's another step. And so you know, you're going to find that there's even more and more steps as you go. Uh, at some point, I want to look back and say, how, you know, how is the culture in my company? You know, how can I improve that? How can I, you know, improve the lives of the people who work with me? And and again, there's just all these opportunities of growth and learning. So every leader from 
the tip top to right down to the bottom, everybody is always going to be at that point where they can learn and they can grow. And I think that's one of the things I love most about this business. You just gave us a whole bunch there as far as stepping into becoming an amazing leader and growing your team and and really leading the business forward. And I really, I mean, the thing, one thing that jumped out at me it was the responsibility-based work. So I just want to be clear on that. So is that where you say to your team member, hey, team member, you are responsible for achieving XYZ results, so go make it happen. Is that how that works? It can. I would say, like, for example, with my COO, I'm not giving him, like, sentences. I'm giving him KPIs, which is key performance indicators. Um, there are things, like, ways for us to measure uh, his success in a certain area. So, all right, your KPI is to grow traffic by this certain percentage every quarter. The, your KPI is to do this and this and this and so forth. And then it's up to him to kind of to come up with ways or strategies uh, to use our team in order to help meet those KPIs. And then I'm sitting there instead of telling him what to do, he's coming up with it. So that's with the COO. However, though, if you step back when I was first starting to hire people for responsibility, I was I would say like this person is responsible for support and we would work together to build, you know, some scripts, some training, things like that. And then at that point, that person was responsible for helping to train new people we brought on. See, I'm saying so like the COO is working towards a specific goal. Okay. He's responsible to reach that goal. But in this case, when I was hiring for responsibility, it was more like I'm hiring you on and now you're responsible for managing these things and you have freedom, authority, and capability to make actions without my approval. That's great. So that frees you up because you know that he's got it handled. And so then you can focus on other things. Yep, exactly. So really and into that CEO role. That's right. Getting me out of tactics and more into to strategy. I really like that. <laughs> I really like that a lot. Okay. So how do you plan which projects for you to focus your time on then? How do you know which oh. ones will move the business forward? You know, that's actually the, the, the really fun part, right? Uh, <laughs> First off, I, I won't do the things I don't like doing. That's so that's fun. If if it's something the business really needs and I don't like doing it, guess what I'm doing? I'm hiring. <laughs> I'm gonna find somebody who can do that better and who enjoys it and wants to do it. But that kind of frees me to be able to work on on projects that I feel are, are most important, like putting together courses that I think would really help people take that next step. Or, you know, for me, working with my programming team to add this new feature because Amazon just changed something. And here's a really cool way we can, you know, we can use that change to help our authors. It frees me to like look and investigate and test, you know, uh, instead of just operations, operations, operations. Oh, we need that piece of content now. We're, I need to design this picture. I need to write this. Nope. I'm here making sure that our quality is always, you know, at the level that we've set. And it frees me to start to, Experiment. I think there was a, a really good uh, example. I think it was uh, Leonardo da Vinci, or maybe it's Michelangelo. Oh boy, I'm going to butcher this. But one of them um, hated doing portraits. Right? Uh, he would he would paint portraits, and the fact is he did it because it paid well. However, though, at some point he was able to make enough money that he could then go and experiment and try new things and, and really dig down and do the things he wanted to. And I would say that to a lot of artists out there is, you know, and, and entrepreneurs is that you when you start to build those systems or build something that helps to support you, you can now afford to really be creative, really experiment and do some incredible stuff. And that's where the magic happens. I think that's where, you know, you can be surprised that because you're putting more of your passion into something, then you can really um, be a little bit more riskier, but then, I mean, you might be surprised by the results that other people might love it as well. Exactly. So do you going, I want to talk about your routines. Do you have any habits or routines that are vital to your success? I'm an early morning person. I really am. I love getting up early, like four, four thirty in the morning, every morning, because at that moment, there's nobody else. <laughs> nobody else is up. My kids aren't up. They're not asking for daddy to make them breakfast at that time, or they better not. Oh, boy. Uh, nobody's on social media. It's my time to really sit down and focus and get things done. 
a lot of times when I was trying to build this business on the side while doing the military, I would try to do things when I got home after work and I kept finding that I was always tired. I was too tired. I was already, you know, done for the day. And so I wouldn't get much done or if anything. And however, though, when I started getting up early, it was the best part of the day. I'd have my coffee in the morning, start off with a jolt and I'd really get things going so that if I was tired at the end of the day, it's not like I didn't accomplish something. So I've carried that all the way through and I still enjoy it. Uh, I also do that thing about coffee too, is that I only, I only drink coffee if I work. <laughs> it's like a reverse Pavlov's dog there, you know? So that's another, another habit. Another thing that I really love doing is that every Sunday night for the week, I, I'll sit down at my, at my desk and I will think about all the things that I should accomplish for the week. What are my goals for the week? And I, I use Trello. And I have one stack that's called this week's priorities. Then every day I will sit down before the day starts and I will look at those priorities and I will then create Trello cards for each thing that day I want to accomplish. And each thing in there has to be something that aligns with that week's priorities. So that way I can do a couple of things. Number one, I know that every task I do each day is building up towards a priority and is really going to be worth it. The second thing is I have satisfaction by the end of the day when I actually archive all the cards for the day and know I did what I was supposed to do. Those two things are really big. It's not just being organized. It's also reminding yourself that you accomplished something. We're very quick to like get involved in something and lose sight of the fact that we're actually building and we're growing. And so doing something like this gives me a lot more satisfaction. Yeah. And then you can keep track of what you've accomplished and know that because everything is related to your most important priorities for that, for that week, that you are moving the business forward. Absolutely. Do you have any, uh, quarterly or monthly or annual like planning goal planning sessions with your team or just by yourself? I'll have to say, I think that's something that I should do in the future more so. Uh, and again, you know, we're always learning and growing. I do a lot with my wife where we talk about maybe annual goals. Uh, I also have a vision board that helps me to kind of, you know, visualize where I want to go in the next five, 10 years and how do I perceive myself um, in the future and how do I grow myself as well. But I've never formalized something inside of my organization where we sit down and we do goal planning. One thing that I do do, though, is I fly my entire team uh, from all over the world uh, to Franklin, Tennessee in the summer. And we kind of have a four to five day retreat and we kind of focus on the business and we talk about and we kind of plan and organize. Uh, it's a great time for us to stop and say, all right, let's look at the systems we've been doing and the communications and everything. And let's, let's figure out how we can do this better. Uh, so we do that. But again, I haven't incorporated uh, quarterly or annual goals into the organization, but that's something I probably should do. Great. Well, that, annual retreat. That sounds amazing though. And I bet you cover a lot of ground during that time. Yeah, it's, that was a big thing, especially since we're a virtual team. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of business out there that have a brick and mortar where everybody comes in. The pro to that is everybody knows each other and it's very easy for them to communicate and understand who each other is. The con is that operationally, that's super expensive, right? You got to pay for a building. You you can only hire people in the local area. You can't go to some giant talent pools in the world. So one of the things that we do since we're virtual is that we have to combat that. We have to kind of break that virtual world barrier and get to know each other. And so flying out for that retreat is a really big way for us to kind of get that opportunity to understand each other, know each other, and get a feel for, for each other's mannerisms. So how do you communicate with your team? Do you have tools that you use? I know you mentioned Trello. Does So does your entire team use Trello? And then how do you communicate with everybody since everybody is all over the world? Yes. So we have a Trello board um, that helps us with project management. We use Slack for communications. Uh, we also have Zoom for our team meetings or one-on-one -on -one meetings that we set up. And those are our main forms of communication. Otherwise, you know, we use Google Docs to be able to share uh, documentation and to be able to kind of get comments and input. Uh, but otherwise that's, that's pretty much it. Very cool. Um, are there any books or resources that have made a significant impact in your life or your business during this time? I think one of the books that's done the most was the one thing, uh, by Gary Keller. And with the one thing, it helped me to remember that, I mean, in our business, there's so many things you could do. 
There's so many shiny objects. There's so many problems and fires to put out. But if you take the time and you focus in on the one thing, you'll get more results. And I think that that's been a significant reason as to why we've had a lot of the success that we've had. Absolutely. I mean, so we talked about your focus where, you know, your one traffic source is SEO. That's your one main traffic source. And then your one product is Publisher Rocket. And so I I can see how that laser focus has contributed significantly to your growth and to your quick business growth over these last four years. Yeah, it's it's been I think it's been a really big thing. If I had just kind of shotgunned all over the place, done a project here, did this, did that. And, you know, and again, pivot and pivoted, I think that we would have, we wouldn't be where we are today. So what would be your advice to someone who, you know, they're building this business, but they're just feeling stuck. Maybe they've had some good success under their belt, but they're just feeling like they don't know which direction to go in, or they feel like they have a lot of different options, but they're just feeling like they don't exactly know how to um, move things ahead in the right way. What would you say? Well, I think, in the in the online marketing world, there's really no wrong choice. If you choose to do Facebook, you know, your market's on Facebook. If you choose to write, your market's there on Amazon. Like, I think that the people who really succeed, see success are the ones that really stick to it and learn it and become that top 1% when it comes to understanding it. So for me, really understanding SEO and becoming a top 1% on SEO knowledge was quintessential for the growth of my business. If I had just dallied in it for about six months, you know, and been like, I'm not seeing the results I wanted and quit, you know, I, I wouldn't be here. So if, if you really find, if you're thinking that maybe the grass is greener on the other side, I think that what you really need to do is just really focus on your grass, get the fertilizer, put a little more water, you know, and at some point your, your grass will grow. Very cool. So stay focused, stay committed, choose your path and stay focused. That's right. Minimize those pivots. Awesome. Okay. Can we talk about book marketing a little bit? Absolutely. Okay. So now I don't even know how old Amazon is. Do you, do you know by chance? Huh. You know, I just read the A to Z store or the everything store and I can't, uh, I can't remember when he actually started it. Okay. So let's say it's, you know, 20 years old or so is that maybe about right so with there are i don't millions are there millions of books out there i mean there's an overwhelming amount of books on amazon and oh, yeah. a lot of people now with that platform and self-publishing you know a lot of people are becoming authors because they are having you know this this way to follow their passion and actually write something and get it you know published and get it out there to promote and have people buy it. So other than writing a great book, how can we help our book stand out on Amazon? Well, one of the biggest things and I, I know this sounds like the most obvious, but a lot of authors don't get it. Your cover is huge, okay? <laughs> Your cover's huge on so many levels. Number one is that it's a clear indication whether or not this book is going to be professional or rookie. Uh, if I see that your cover looks like you just kind of threw it together, I promise you that could be the greatest book in the world, but I'm not going to read it. People do judge a book by its cover. And guess what? Amazon is able to figure out if people ha like it or not. Say, for example, Amazon chooses to show your book in front of customers, but your cover just stinks. I mean, it just it looks unprofessional. Nobody's going to click on your book and nobody's going to buy it. And if nobody's clicking and buying your book, then Amazon's not making any money. So they're not going to show your book anymore. And it, it's, it's crazy. But, you know, a, I've seen a many authors who had a great book. And, yes, they have great reviews because they were able to convince certain people to give it a chance. But the cover was just really holding them back. And then those authors finally gave that cover some real love, maybe got a professional in there or something like that to, to you know, make it something real. And all of a sudden, the book took off. All of their marketing efforts, you know, really worked. Um, they were doing ads on Amazon or Facebook. And, it, you know, the ads were like, eh, not working. But then that cover was a big thing for turning those ads into major profit gainers. So I would definitely say... Put a lot of stock into your cover because that will make all of your other marketing efforts that much better. Very cool. Is there a way to test different book covers? I don't know if that's a thing, but I know just thinking, you know, my ads brain, Facebook ads brain will test different images and we'll see, you know, this image is getting much more attention, much more engagement for this ad. Is there is there that possible, you know, possibility of testing book covers? 
there are three ways you can go about it. Uh, the first way is if you are writing in a particular niche, you could always go to that Facebook group or to a forum of that magnitude and post it there and see which ones people like the most. And I would highly recommend don't just go to your friends or to some author group. If you're writing about, you know, say PTSD, then go to a veterans group, uh, get it from the real people and see what really, you know, fits in their mind. And that will really help you to get a cover that your target market wants. Another way is you could use like a service like PICFU, uh, P-I-C-K-F-U, <laughs> not in a bad way. <laughs> Didn't mean to say F-U in that way, um, but PICFU. And they, you can pay them something like maybe 25 bucks or 50 bucks. And what they will do is they will go get you people of a certain demographic to do a survey and to choose which one they prefer. But more importantly, they actually make that person write why they chose whatever. So you can get that taken care of. The And the third way is you can also use like Amazon ads. So one thing that I've seen is that in Amazon ads, you basically tell Amazon, hey, I want to put my book in front of people who search for this or people who look at this book. Like I want it there. And if you're doing this and say – or for the first time, you can actually see the numbers. You can see that Amazon tells you, hey, 15,000 people saw your book cover and only three people clicked on it. <laughs> you know, that's a clear indication that nobody – like everybody saw your book, but your book cover did not interest them at in the least bit. And so therefore they weren't even going to click on it. Right. That's a great indication. If all of a sudden you change it and next thing you know, you see that your ads are converting better. That that's a good indication. Another thing that comes with Amazon ads too, is that maybe you're getting lots of impressions and you're getting some great clicks, but nobody's buying. Then that's another way that as an author, you could say, well, what's the difference maker? My book description. They're getting, they, they, they're searching for something. They see my book cover. They, they're like, Oh, that looks really cool. They decide to look into it, and then they start reading your book description. They're like, oh, this is all over the place. Or, oh, well, they just gave away the story. Well, uh, eh, that doesn't sound like anything worth my time, and they back out. So you can use Amazon ads to really figure out where the problem is on your book so as to help increase your conversion rate. That's really great. That's a lot of great advice, Dave. Thank you so much. So any parting words uh, for anybody who is on that path to building their business to seven figures. For one to get to seven figures, I really think it's about, like we said, is, is personal growth and, and having a desire to continue to grow. But when it comes to growth, you're always going to be a bit out of your comfort zone and just remind yourself that that's a good thing. So get a bit out of your comfort zone, strive, and more importantly, always make sure that you're making the internet a better place. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here. Can you share how people can learn more about you and uh, Publisher Rocket and anything else? Sure. You can always go to my website at kindlepreneur.com and I have a contact form. If you have any questions about anything we talked about, you can always hit me up there and I'll be be sure to respond. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining me. (laughs) And thank you for having me. Okay. So personal growth get outside of your comfort zone, and always make sure that you're making the internet a better place. Those are wise words from Dave Chesson. And I'll also add that another theme that consistently came up during this interview was to focus on your one thing. So if you haven't read the book, The One Thing by Gary Keller, it is a must read. So just as Dave talked about in the interview, I mean, there were so many shiny objects, so many different strategies and tactics and tools that all promise to be the key to success in building our online businesses. And so with Dave's advice, you know, he's really shown that his fast growth to hit seven figures in four years. It's really been a testament to his willingness to focus on his one traffic strategy and his one product and to really get really good at SEO to drive traffic and then to make his product, Publisher Rocket, the best software tool for authors who are looking to market their book on Amazon. So my question to you is, What is your one thing? What is your main traffic strategy? And what is your main product or offering? And how can you make that the best on the market so that when people are looking for the solution that your offer provides, that your offer consistently pops up as the main solution? So KDP Rocket, now called Publisher Rocket, 
that has become the solution for authors. And so best-selling authors consistently rave about Publisher Rocket. Dave has made such an amazing product that it makes it super easy to market because there are so many raving fans, so many best-selling authors are raving about this product and it works really well. And Dave is consistently working with his team to consistently make it better and better and better and add even more features. So if you are an author and you are uh, wanting to learn how to best position your your book on Amazon so that more readers can find it, then I encourage you to check out Publisher Rocket. You can visit that at publisherrocket.com. So I just want to say thank you to Dave Chesson for joining me on the podcast today. I hope that you have found this podcast helpful. And so I would love for you to subscribe. I encourage you to share this podcast with a friend. If you've got your mastermind buddies or your business besties, then I encourage you to share if you know other people who are on the path to seven figures so we can all flourish to seven figures together. And remember, I will have all of the links and the resources that were mentioned in today's episode at monicalouie.com slash two. And you'll find all of the show notes and resources there. Thank you so much for joining me today. I truly appreciate the time that you spent with Dave and me today. And so please leave a rating and review so that more people can find this podcast and subscribe so that you can be notified when the next episode comes out. In the next episode of the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast, it will be a solo show where I am breaking down the three pillars to creating high converting campaigns. So if you are curious about why your Facebook ads are not working, I will break it down for you. These are the three main elements that need to work together in order to have success with Facebook ads or Instagram ads. It applies to both platforms. And so I encourage you to join me in the next episode, episode three. And remember, brand new episodes come out every single Thursday. Thank you so much and have a wonderful day. I'll catch you on the next episode. Bye for now.